So I had, I was getting my makeup done this afternoon, right? Yeah. Because I got this free makeup thing. And um, this lovely girl was doing my, like she was probably, I, I couldn't even tell you how old she was, but at least like 10 years younger than me. And and she was commenting on how like all of her customers are, are like 13 and 14 year old girls. Yeah, right. And they come in and they like get drunk elephant skincare and they're just oh like, like living the dream, right? And it's true. As I was sitting there getting my makeup done, just feeling like the oldest person in the world. Yeah. Because there are just teenagers everywhere. And they're getting just like. But it's so expensive. It's so like, expensive. Yeah. I don't even get drunk elephant. No, it's very expensive. It's crazy. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's obviously some merit in those girls learning about SPF. Definitely. And, and that sort of thing. Preventative skincare. But like. I know. I don't know about, like, I don't think nah. they need expensive nah. anti-aging stuff, nah. you know. No. Nah. I even wonder, so I've, I've been meditating lately, like, do I continue get to get, like, good, good skincare yeah. or do I just get Botox? <laughs> <laughs> but then I think too, like, well, what am I trying to, like, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. Am I just trying to stop, like, what? Am I uncomfortable with aging? Also, like, you love skincare. I love skincare. So I, I love don't the ritual think, of that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think you kind of want to. Stop. I think what I would end up doing is have Botox yeah, and very expensive, expensive skincare. skincare. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Very well, thank you. A weekday evening recording. It's so weird. That's not like us. No, and I'm not at my best. <laughs> <laughs> Who is? Who is? Uh, hello and welcome to My Favourite Musical, the podcast. Before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we're recording on today, the dark and young people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander folks listening. Indeed. Hmm. Uh, that's Josephine. That's Ruth. And this is my favourite musical. It's a podcast about musicals. Yeah, musicals. Musicals. <laughs> Can we talk about some musicals? Yeah. Um, you got any news? Yeah. Do you want to talk? Oh, it's not great news. What about the parade stuff? I wrote that down. We were going to – sorry, this episode's coming out a little late, everyone. We were supposed to record a few weeks ago. Once again, we were sick. Yeah. As always happens. But it was very topical when we – It was we, topical um, at the time, When we yeah. were going to record. So, well, you can go for it. Yeah. Basically, um, it was the first preview of Parade on Broadway and some terrible white supremacist Nazi people. Yeah. Literal neo-Nazis protested, yeah, protested outside out the, the theatre. So for those of you who might not know or don't remember, Parade is a beautiful musical written by Jason Robert Brown. Um, it's about the real life story of Leo Frank, who was a Jewish man who was lynched in, um, yeah. in the South in 1914, I think, 1912 maybe. Um, so apparently there's this like sect of neo-Nazis who, who believe he was guilty, even yeah. though like... There's so much, There's so evidence, much evidence that yeah. he didn't do it. Yeah. It's just interesting to – like the musical is not some sort of exoneration of Leo Frank. No. Like it's really just uh, – it's a story. Like it's just like here is a story that I read and I'm going to make a musical yeah. about it. It's not like some sort of – I don't get the sense that it is some sort of like project about – because you know, Leo Frank's not necessarily the most likable person, and in he's the show. not written that way. No, like, he's not a sympathetic character. That's why you sort of think it was him. Yeah. Um. But it's just like, wow. Do you have nothing better to do in your disgusting life than standing outside this Broadway theater? Like, 
People Ugh. are just broken, aren't they? It, People's minds yeah. are broken. If you are interested, Jason Robert Brown did a really beautiful, like he wrote a statement. It's on his website. Yes, yeah, um, he did. And like a, a lot of and, the actors. And Ben, ben Platt, Platt did a little video that yeah. was on his page as well. It's just heartbreaking. And like I can't believe we're still talking about this sort of level of anti-Semitism. Oh, it's really, I know. Yeah, really hard. But also I can believe it, which yeah. is a shame. Well, yeah. I yeah. was did you read that thing? This is such a side note that um uh, was it the UN has just released that like we're three hundred years away from gender equity? Yes, yeah, so it was for International Women's Day they yeah. they released it. Which is like um, oh, cheers. Yeah, yeah, thanks. It's yeah. actually so upsetting to know that it won't happen in our life. I know. I, I know. World. But also yes. Yeah. It's disgusting. I don't know why I thought Also it might. not surprising. Mm. But. Okay. Back to musicals. Um, why is Josh Groban playing Sweeney Todd? I, uh, you don't like him. No. You also don't like Annalie Ashford. You shouldn't see this production. No. I mean, I definitely won't. I, it's terrible casting. Do you think? For both of them. We'll see. Appar- no, apparently she is incredible. She's, she's talented, getting amazing reviews. But she's not right for Mrs. Lovett. And he is definitely not a Sweeney We'll type. see. You cannot think that he would be a good Sweeney. I was so surprised by his performance in Great Comet. Like, that is a completely different show. <laughs> That's not Sweeney Todd. I I don't mind Josh Groban. Oh. I I reserve. Let's see what the reviews say. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm reviewing right now. The idea of it is terrible. Okay. Wrong. It's so. That's literally my whole comment. Why? 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 Beautiful big orchestra. Great. You don't Put, care. Like, bring Michael Cerberus in. Like, I don't know. You know, just <laughs> hey, he's done it. Do it again. Okay. He's done it. He's done it. He's done it. <laughs> um, I have a comment that is, I learned how to put local files from my computer onto Spotify this last couple of weeks. You didn't. And um, so it means I can So all this have, time when we've been bitching about Tick, Tick, Boom. Well, but you can only listen like on your desktop, uh, not on my phone. Yeah. So I can't take them with me. So you can't annoying. listen to Little Mermaid or, yeah. Yeah. So, but it means I've got, like, I still had <laughs> files, like, you know, yes. MP3s yes. of Striking 12. Oh, Striking The 12. original cast recording of Songs for a New World, the original cast recording of Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes. So I now have all of those on my Spotify, <laughs> which is making me very happy throughout my work day. That's amazing. Because also, like... You know, the Windows, like, media player or whatever is not, like, the best designed um, No. Thing. Gosh, and they haven't updated that oh since the dawn of time. Terrible. Windows. Terrible. So, but that has been making me very happy these past few weeks. You know, you saying, like, the original cast of Songs for New World and the original Tick Tick Boom is, like, I could I could give you a faithful performance, including of voices thing. of yeah. the entire, both of those. I like, believe it. Wow, I played those a lot. Yeah. Oh, I miss them. Yeah. When we were, like, 16. Yeah. 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 Formative. Hey, um, the little glimpses that I've seen of the Secret Garden production in LA are like really beautiful. Okay. The set looks incredible. Yes. And the performers are incredible. Yes. The reviews did come out, I think, today or yesterday. Uh, and? And they were like, eh. Eh. Yeah, they're a little eh. But it's slated to move to Broadway, right? Well, I think that's their aim. Yeah. Let we'll see. We'll see look. what happens. So you reckon the reviews were terrible? Not terrible. No, no, no. no. Don't, don't get me wrong. Not terrible, but a little bit like... It's beautiful, but it's lacking a little something. Oh. That's the that's the impression I got from reading it. Honestly, like if you just Google this production and and like I said this when we did the original, the set for Secret Garden seems to always just be so on point. But this looks magnificent, incredible. incredible. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Oh, I love the Secret Garden. Um, I've seen a few shows since we last recorded. You have. I saw a production of La Boheme. 
uh, which obviously is a beautiful opera. Uh, funnily enough, we were going because a friend of ours was playing Mimi and I'm seeing Rent tomorrow night because a friend of ours is playing Mimi. Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Anyway. I just funny, that was... yes. Very <laughs> funny. <laughs> Um, I saw a production of last five years because we had a friend playing Kathy yeah. and uh, it was great. She was fantastic. And uh, you and I have already talked about this, but it's, I've seen last five years many, many times on stage. We talked about this when we did the episode on it. Mm. it I don't think it really works on stage. This um, set and staging wise was the closest I've seen it yeah. getting to work. Those photos you showed me. Of the yeah. It's so a really good. maximalist set. So like it was co- sort of completely set in like Jamie and her apartment. It looked like a sitcom apartment set. Yes. And there was like just stuff everywhere. Yeah. And it actually, and it was two levels with the bed upstairs and like a couch and table downstairs. It looked like a mezzanine sort yeah, of Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just, it was, it the set was so good. Yeah. And it was like, it really did feel lived in and, and it was sort of the perfect set for that show. Um, and they kind of had like, as each song would sort of start, the, the other actor would kind of still be in their scene before and then kind of slowly make their way um, off. And that worked really well too. Um, Yeah, but it's just – it's a hard show. It's a hard show. It doesn't really work on stage. That's I still have that opinion. It's a shame it's one of my favourite – definitely one of my favourite scores of all time. Oh, God, yeah. But, um, yeah. It's – Poor last five years. Poor last five years. But anyway, that was it was fun to see that. I also saw the Australian production of Hairspray, which I really enjoyed. You enjoyed it? Yeah. Ah. I, I mean, I you know me, I yeah. like Hairspray yeah. to begin with, but it's just such a joyous show. It's so joyous. Show. Yep. And there was some really good cast in there, like Shane Jacobson. Sorry, I dropped my lip bar. Um, Shane, was Jacobs Shane Jacobson Edna? was Edna. And he was fantastic. He's always great. Yeah. Yeah. And he got a, he's got a great voice. Yeah, he does. What was he? Um, Guys and Dolls. He, he was in. Nicely, nicely. Yes. Or yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. So he must have sung pretty well then. I just don't, I don't have a memory of him singing that song, particular, but it was a, that was a bad production. Yeah. That was a bad production. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Great casting. Yeah. So anyway, enjoyed that. That's and cool. um, Todd McKenney was the, hus- the dad. Yeah. And he was quite suited to that. Like playing this kind of like little funny duddy old Doddering. dad. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And the Tracy was great. The seaweed was a real standout. Well, they have to be. Yeah, they sure do. But yeah, yeah he was incredible. Yeah, right. Yeah. It it was an interesting choice, like Hairspray, I think. Like yeah. it's such an American story. It is. But yeah. like great. My yeah, God, I just dropped my Don't notes. You drop your notes. Hey, you know what I am interested to hear more about, which is the Outsiders musical. Yes, again, it didn't get great reviews. I was I was reading an article about it today, and I think it probably suffers a little bit from the Alice by Heart syndrome. Mm-hmm. Let's call it where the score is great, yeah. but the book's just a bit of a mess. Yeah, um, and that's a shame too because that is a beloved, uh, like, you know. What am I trying to say? Story, like yeah. it was a book, is a beloved, like. Yeah, the film. Yeah, the yeah. film and the book. Uh, mm. Yeah, so mm. we shall see. We shall see. But that's what we needed. We needed another sort of like Greaser-esque musical mm. in the world. <laughs> uh, hey, do you want to talk about a musical? Let's do it. We're talking about You're in Town. Yeah. Somehow I, we sort of missed it. Yeah. You, you and I have both discussed this um since we picked it. In fact, this was a request, wasn't it, from a it listener? Um, yeah, 
take let's get that going. Yeah, Request, guys, send go us for actually, it. you know what? Someone someone definitely has asked me to do bear at some point. Oh yes, that was so long ago, Ruth. Yeah, they requested we should that. do that at some okay, point. Okay, we should do bear. Yeah. And um I can't feel like there was another one as well. But anyway, we've had a few requests. Well, yeah, and this one was a request. Yeah, and it happened to be that I was seeing it at the Hayes Theatre like around the same time it was requested. So that's why we decided to do it. Well, but it's like existed in the world but somehow like uh, it's only a musical I've ever like heard of and I know nothing more about it. Like it's always been that sort of musical. And it is weird because I think it must have been – it's maybe because it was on – I was only born in 2001, right? It must have been like just before we were really paying attention yeah. to what was on. Yeah. What was on, you know? Yeah. And and like maybe whoever was like burning those cast recordings for us just didn't have this yeah. one or something. Yeah, it's you know so I mean? true. Because like, we have to a lot explain of other to our younger ones. listeners, we're literally talking about copying CDs. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> when we say oh. burning, <laughs> that's what we mean. Oh, of course. Copying CDs for each other. Oh, those listeners—they don't know. They don't necessarily know. Wow. <laughs> but I was shocked when I when I found out it had been around since two thousand and one. Yeah. Because how have I never seen it or really heard it? Yeah, and I think it's. Because obviously, like, and they make fun of this throughout the show. Like, the title's bad, right? Like, yeah. that's like a yeah. almost a feature of the show. Yeah, and so it it doesn't get done that often. No, um, it's also not what you think it's going to be. No, not at, at all. all. And so, you know, unlike say, like, Thoroughly Modern Millie was the same season, right? Yeah. But that gets done by amateur societies. Yeah, and it's a it's a magnet for that sort of yeah. Yeah, whereas this doesn't of the racism. Yes, of I course. love racism. I feel like it doesn't. Hope, hopefully, isn't getting done as much now. No, I hope not. But it used to. But like this one should be done. Yes, absolutely. So um, I've listened to it quite a few times. Yeah. Because like I think when I was at uni, a lot of people would do like there's like two or three songs that would yeah. get done. Privilege to pay gets done yes. a lot. Yeah. Um, but I was not familiar. So Shane saw the original Australian production. Yes. Um, and he really liked it. He was yeah. like, I'll tell you anything about your in town. And I was like, what is the plot? And he could not tell me. Yeah, so isn't that funny? If he remembers really liking it, but like he couldn't tell me what it was about or like any defining features at yeah. all. So like, but to be fair, that was a while ago. And again, so it was on in Sydney in from June to July 2006. Now, Josephine and I were doing <laughs> a production oh, of Trouble in Pantoland. We were busy. At that time. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you've ever been in an amateur musical, but like it takes up all your life. Like you're not doing anything else. I was, I think I was trying to do the HSC. I think you were. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that explains why we didn't see that. And we didn't have any money. We had no money. No. We were burning CDs. We had no money. Exactly. Um, So a side note, I hate the word P. P. Yeah. Like Mm. it's really too American. I just, I say we. Yeah. Um. But, like, I'm not going to – I can't say the word we because that is not what this script is. So just know that, like, I'm going to say P in the relevant parts. But, <laughs> but it's you're not laughter. happy about it? I'm not happy about it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why I really hate it. Yeah. It's like – so Reagan has started to say poop. Right. Which is obviously just, like, she watches too much American television or whatever. Yeah. Because that's, that's what they say. I'm like, it's poo. It's just poo. <laughs> you don't need to say poop. It's so weird. That is quite American, isn't it? Very American. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I don't know why I care so much. Um, yeah. So I had not seen the show until I saw it at the Hayes a yes. couple of months ago. And we'll, we'll talk about that production a bit more. But I tell you why I've always been intrigued is, is obviously, well, you and I both love the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Yes, we do. And a lot of people compare them. 
I always thought they were like commensurate. Like, yes. oh, they're very similar in style, in plot. And like they are not. No. I mean, they're, they're both at all. funny shows, si- like similar kind of sort of ilk on Broadway, like in terms of time. And they kind of had similar trajectories to get on Broadway yeah. in a way. But, but aside from that, they're, they're not very similar. Because yeah. no. I always thought – once I finally got into You're in Town, it would be the same as Spelling No. Me. It would be like the similar sort of humour, similar sort of style. Yeah, no. And I thought for some reason like kids must have been in it. I think that you're thinking that because of Little Sally. Yeah. Who we'll talk it. about. But I reckon that's the only reason you're thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only chi- child it's as a child it were in, in it. Yeah. Commas, yeah. Do you want to hear the plot? Let's do it. Okay. So it actually took quite a lot of effort to put this together because on its face it appears convoluted. Um, like it reminds me a bit of Anyone Can Whistle. It, mm. It's sort of hard to follow but actually it's a simple plot. All the characters are drawn from melodrama so there's actually like a lot of convention that an audience will immediately understand yeah. like when you watch the show. But it does – this is going to sound convoluted. Apologies. Okay, so we're in a dystopic world. It's sometime in the near future and, like, the show opens with Officer Lockstock. His offsider is Barrel, of course. That's a policeman. Um, welcomes the audience in and, like, announces that there's been a 20-year drought and there's no water and so um, private toilets are outlawed and all the bathroom stuff has to happen in public bathrooms controlled by a mega corporation called Urine Good Company. It's UGC, right? Yeah. Um, so people have to pay to use these toilets. If you don't pay, you're sent to urine town and you never return. Yeah. So it's a bad place. Um, so then we have like the evil CEO guy of UGC, Caldwell B. Cladwell, <laughs> who is considering fee hikes to the bathrooms. And like we are introduced to his brand new copy girl, his beautiful daughter, Hope Cladwell. Um you know, it's like evil corporation stuff, blah, blah, blah. We cut to public amenity number nine, which is a filthy toilet block controlled by Penelope Pennywise and her assistant Bobby Strong. And like when I say these characters are melodramatic, it's like they are just complete archetypes. So yeah. Bobby Strong is like the everyman. He's like handsome and and you're like he's a good character. Penelope Pennywise is just like rigid, strict school mom yeah, type. Yeah, like matron. That's right. Um so then trouble breaks out at a, a public amenity number nine. Bobby's father, old man strong, can't pay and he urinates on the street and as a result is carted off to urine town by officers lock, stock and barrel. Um, so Bobby and Hope meet. Hope is the daughter of the of the CEO and they both decide that they want like a better world where people can pee for free. Um, united in their quest, they fall in love, of course, actually really quickly, like within the space yeah. of that one song. It's um, a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. I will talk about that later. He Bobby begins a rebellion and sort of like opens the doors of the urinal for free for everyone and it's revealed that basically the poor are the enemy. Like, <gasps> mm. twist. Uh, the rebels kidnap Hope as leverage. There's a great slow motion chase that happens at the end of Act 1. Like, it's really clever. Yeah. Um, Act 2 opens. The rebels are sort of holed up in this secret hideout wondering what Urinetown is like because no one knows what yeah. happens when you get sent to Urinetown. They consider just killing Hope, but Bobby tries to protect her. He is asked to come to Urine Good Company headquarters and is then offered like this very Newsies-esque payout in exchange yeah. for everyone agreeing to the rate hikes of the public toilets. He refuses and is sent to Urinetown because um, Cladwell doesn't care that this effectively has killed Hope. Like he doesn't care. Yeah. 
Bobby discovers that you're in town doesn't exist and people are just murdered. Like, yeah. they're just taken to the top of the building and just thrown off. They're already in your town. That's right. Yeah. Um, so he's thrown off the top of the building and dies and he just has that re- revelation. Yeah. yeah. You're already in your town. Um, a bunch of people then die in sh- skirmishes. Like, there's just a lot of sort of death and murder and yeah. hope who the rebels decide not to kill confronts her father, sentencing him to your town. So he is murdered. Um, the Uringlid Company is renamed the Bobby Strong Memorial Toilet Authority and people are allowed to pee whenever they like, as much as they like, for as long as they like and and with whomever they like. That's a quote. Um, however, of course, the drought problem hasn't been solved. Yeah. So the water very quickly runs out. People die of thirst. Hope is brutally killed by an angry mob. Um, <laughs> and the whole show ends of, with the words, Hail Malthus. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. It's uh, – we'll talk about what all of that means, but it's it's quite chaotic. It is. <laughs> and it's this whole thing of like the heroes win, but actually they weren't going about it the right way. Yeah, they weren't very smart. Like no. you could have maybe addressed the water shortage yeah. before you just let everyone <laughs> exactly. pee willy-nilly. But yeah, it's – it's clever and it is funny and like it's a comedy really. Like I say there's a lot of murder and there's a lot of mayhem and and this obviously the social issues are pretty um, serious but it's funny. Yeah. And because it's a melodrama. That's it's right. Like, yeah. Everything's over the top. Yeah. And, and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a bit of history. So it is a satirical comedy musical premiered in 2001. Music by Mark Holman, lyrics by Mark Holman and Greg Codis and book by Greg Codis. So basically those names won't really mean anything to really anyone. This is kind of the only thing uh, famous that they've done really. So Greg Codas had the idea for You're in Town while he was traveling in Europe. Basically like he was a student, he was on a budget. And I don't know, you probably also remember this from like, you know, when you've traveled to Europe, but there are these pay toilets. Yeah, you pay um, in Europe. Yeah, like uh, public toilets outside. Yeah. It's like a couple of euro or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And um, I was going to mention that in the plot, like, whoa, pay for toilets. How crazy. But like, no, that's. Yeah. I mean, obviously those people can also wee at home. Yes. But uh, in in Urinetown, they're not allowed to, yes. right? Um, and so he just encountered this toilet and he was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, like, like he wanted to base a show on that. And so he, like they, he joined with this uh, Mark Holman guy, but initially like no one was really interested in optioning the musical about pay toilets, right? <laughs> but um, finally there was a group called the Neo Futurists, which are quite famous experimental theatre group from Chicago agreed to produce the show for their 1999-2000 season. Um, And so uh, Greg Codis belonged to that group. His wife also did. And the original cast member who played um, Little Sally, Spencer Caden, she also belonged to that group. Um, Unfortunately, plans with that neo-futurist group fell through. So um, John Clancy of the New York Fringe Festival accepted the show into the festival instead. That's so cool. Yeah. And so (laughs) it happened to be that um, the playwright David Auburn, who was a friend of theirs, came to see the show and he immediately called this production company and said, like, you've got to come see, like, this show the next night kind of thing. Like, uh, like 
Broadway producers. And so they optioned the musical and it opened off Broadway at the American Theatre for Actors mm. um, and then transferred to Broadway in September 2001. <laughs> so it was originally planned to open on September 13th. Oh my um, but the show contains several references which after the after 9-11 uh, would prove offensive. So ultimately only one line was removed from the script mm. and it opened on September 20th, 2001, which like still very soon. It's very soon. Um, and um, it, it, it then um, – so yeah, so it opened at the Henry Miller's Theatre and it, and it ran from September 20th, 2001 through to January 18th, 2004. Whoa. Such a long run. So That's 25 so previews and 965 performances. Wow. It was nominated for 10 Tony Awards uh, and it won three, mm. which were Best Book, Best Score and Best Direction. Uh, that year, the nominees for Best Musical were Urinetown, Sweet Smell of Success, Mamma Mia, and the winner, which was Thoroughly Modern Millie. Um, Gee, <laughs> it's like a time capsule. Eh, it's of like, weird, isn't what it? What are we doing? I know. Uh, so, yes, we mentioned that Australian production, um, which was directed by Simon Phillips for the Melbourne Theatre Company. That was on in 2004. And, um, you know, some people – uh, some actors that people might remember are like Lisa McCune was Hope Cladwell. Mm -hmm. uh, Rhonda Birchmore was Penelope Pennywise. Um, David Campbell was in it when it transferred to Sydney, but he wasn't in it in Melbourne. He played Bobby Strong when it transferred to the Sydney Theatre Company uh, in June, July 2006. Um, and then there was a UK company uh, opened at London St. James Theatre April 2014, so quite – you know, quite a long time afterwards, it transferred to the Apollo Theatre and um, ran for another like four months, ended in January 2015. So not that successful yeah. in uh, in the UK really. And that's kind of it. I mean, like I said, there's, there was this production at the Hayes in Sydney a few months ago, but mm. like it, it hasn't had really a lot of, else. yeah, it hasn't like had any revivals. It hasn't sort of had. I get the vibe that it's pretty popular for like, Colleges and high schools in exactly. America, and that's it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, and like, I, I sort of read up what else um, the composers had done. Yes, tell um, me. And I'm just trying to uh, find it. That I'm sure they – oh, yeah, here we go. The two writers have since written a prequel to Urinetown entitled Yeast Nation. <laughs> Uh, it had a production in Juneau, Alaska and Chicago and was then part of the 2011 New York International Fringe Festival where it was awarded the Fringe NYC Overall Excellence Award. Um, but unfortunately it doesn't seem to have gone on to anything else. Yeah. But I mean they probably do just live off yeah. the, you know, the royalties yeah, from this, for all the... I assume. Also like – and I'll talk about – well, maybe this is me talking about it right now, but um, the music is great in your entire Yeah. And like I would say that – it should be done by ensembles and amateur groups because the chorus stuff is just particularly yeah, the, special. Yeah, the harmonies are really beautiful. Yeah, all the ensemble. Like I would say all, like it's a, it's a fairly forgettable musical when you listen to it. But yeah. maybe it's just because I don't have much frame of reference, but the chorus stuff is really gorgeous. And so kind of the whole point, I mean, I'm sure you'll talk about this a bit more, but it's like it parodies all these different musicals, There's right? There's so many references. Yeah. So like, you know, there's a Fosse number. There's yeah. a like West Side Story kind yeah. of thing. And it does that really well. It does that really yeah. well. Ar it's all about archetypes. And yeah. I think if you don't 
play into that as much as you can. The show doesn't work. Yeah, it's funny because I was reading quite a few um, reviews of productions, particularly from American colleges, and all the reviews are like, oh, the social commentary. I'm like, actually, I think this is really like, this is a musical theatre nerds musical. And it didn't feel like they were leaning into that particularly. Yeah. But like there's so many cool references and it's just full of Easter eggs, I think, this musical that, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Do you want to talk about Malthus and why that's the… Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So at the end I mentioned that the last words of the musical are Hail Malthus. So a lot of people will know but there's a guy, um, an English cleric, whose name is Thomas Robert Malthus. He was a scholar and economist from the late 18th and early 19th century. Um. His observations included a propensity for humans to utilize abundance for population growth rather than maintaining a high standard of living. So basically like it's it's commonly referred to as the Malthusian trap, but it's like that population growth could be exponential, but resource growth is linear and like yeah. humans are more likely to continue to grow the population rather than preserve um, mm. resources and maintain a high standard of living. Yeah. Um, so, of course, like this theory is a favourite of like population control folks. Yes. And it's pretty clear how like that trajectory become, yeah, it yeah. could become really dark if you head down that path. Yeah. But like at, at its core, what he was saying was just like, oh, maybe we should think about limited resources. But like some people have taken that too far, of right. course. So that's interesting, and um, and it's I I didn't I didn't get the sense of like why that's the last line and what the musical's getting at, but like it, I don't feel like it really matters. Like I don't feel like this musical's trying to be sort of deep or or heavy or anything. It's yeah. just like it's just a ton of references and a ton of like sort of trivia within this musical. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the social commentary is really that uh, privately owned resources are terrible, you know, like, yeah. And we see that in the world, of course, like, you know, Nestle wanting to own water and just all that shit. That's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, so I, I wrote this quote down from Greg Codis that I thought was interesting. So when he was talking about him getting the money, uh, sorry, the idea for the play, it was cause he ran out of money in France. Right. And he basically had to choose between having something to eat and paying two and a half francs to use yeah. a public bathroom. And he said, it was twisted and surreal. And then the idea came to me to write a play about having to pay to get access to water. Mm. Um, And he then went on to say that as he began writing the play, he became fascinated by the ways in which corporations and governments control water. For instance, he said that a Pakistani cab driver once told him that there is often tension between India and Pakistan over access to water from Kashmir. He said, in a lot of ways, water is a metaphor for power. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. It's... It's really clever, like, in that way. I think it's a good lens through which this musical is sort of, like, driven. Yeah. And um, it's an interesting commentary on our limited resources, obviously. And, like, I think, too, an interesting point on, like, what we consider our inalienable rights to resources. Like Yes, absolutely. So like, of course, going to the toilet is a basic right, but, like, are we all considering the impact of our actions? And, of course, like, as we know, individual-level actions – don't contribute anywhere near the same amount of damage as like corporate corporate level actions. Um, Those are the people who hold all the power and control, but the musical's really like, oh, um, we don't have this many resources and maybe we can't all just have like unlimited water. Like maybe we've got to be a little bit smarter about this. Yeah. So I like that. I think that's, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, I've got some random more like facts and quotes and things. Tell me. So, um, in another sort of parallel with Spelling Bee, um, 
The only actor who remained from the original Fringe Festival production was Spencer Caden, who played Little Sally. So I think you might have said that – so um, I don't think you mentioned, but like Officer Lockstock and Little Sally are like the narrators yeah. of the show. Yeah, so they open the show. Yeah, so like they, they open the show They and they give kind of commentary throughout the show. It's very Brechtian in part. In fact um, – Yes, I wrote – some notes about that. It's a it's derivative of the of Threepenny, but yeah. there is and that, Cradle Will Rock and that's Cradle the Will other Rock, big one. Yeah, that's right. So like you have that narrator person who's also like telling you that you're in a musical and showing you the signs and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And and, that, and little Sally throughout is kind of like you know why you know the truth teller. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, she's playing a, a small child, but yeah. it's an it's an adult actor. But I thought it was interesting because. The same thing kind of happened with Spelling Bee where because it started like off, off, off Broadway yeah. kind of thing, um, as it got closer to that Broadway run, um, all these actors were replaced with like Broadway level yeah. actors, right? And kind of similarly, in fact, we talked about it in the Spelling Bee episode where literally the writer was one of those people mm. that, um, that realised she was being kind of wasn't at the talent level to be in the show that oh my God, that's she exactly needed to be. Spelling bee. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, th- 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 sorry, that's what I was saying with oh, Spelling right, Bee. Right, right. Here, um, it, it didn't go into it quite as much as – because I think with Spelling Bee there was a lot of publicity about it because the writer, that's what happened. Yeah. Here, I haven't – I ha- couldn't find anything that was written by those um, original actors, but there just seemed to be a bit of tension about the fact that she was the only actor that stayed with it. Yeah. You know, all the way to, to Broadway kind yeah, of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but also like, I guess that's just the realities of doing a Broadway musical. Like you need people that are of that level, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, so it's not her fault that she's at my level. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought this was interesting. This was from the New York times review. It began notice to producers, your quota on musical theater about musical theatre has been filled. <laughs> Opening in the last two months have been The Producers, A Class Act, Follies, 42nd Street and George Gershwin Alone, not to mention the off-Broadway musical Bat Boy whose score is basically about other scores. Enough already. <laughs> that said, we'll gladly make an exception for Urinetown. That is how it began. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and it's like it's true, all those shows, yes. about, shows about shows. I yes. love a show about a show Me personally. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. That's cool. Um, You're in Town was the final show held at Henry Miller's Theatre that I mentioned that it was on at. Uh, after You're in Town closed, it was demolished and rebuilt, opening in 2009, and it is now the Stephen Sondheim Theatre. Yeah. yeah. Of course it is. Um, but, uh, yes, after um, they basically kept pushing back the date. It was supposed to be demolished, like, it, they didn't think it was going to be the hit yeah. that it was. And so, yeah, they... um. Yeah, that's – gee, that run is a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Good on them. Um, a couple of other things. Uh, I thought it was interesting that – so uh, Greg Codis and his wife um, had just had a child when – before, you know, he got the idea to um, write You're in Town. And so um, that was kind of his idea, like let's write a show that could be – oh, sorry. It, he kind of write the show thinking like, okay, this might be the last creative thing I get to do. I'm, I'm just going to have to get a job. Because kids whatever. ruin your life. 
Well, this is this is the quote he said. I told myself I tried to find a life in the theatre and we had some fun. It was time to move on. Mm. The theatre life, particularly our theatre life, wasn't making us any money. Mm. I I would just stick to location scouting and apply myself to make money. That's what he did. He was a location yeah. scout for Law and Order. Um, I would just stick to location scouting and apply apply myself to making money. With you in town, I thought let's just have one last big laugh. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and that's kind of why he wrote it. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Like, oh, because yeah. yeah, they talked a bit about how he was. One of the New York Times articles talked about how he was until it opened on Broadway. He was still working as a location scout. Cool. Um, well, yeah, you got to keep your job if yeah, you're about to have a baby. See, they didn't know. They wow. didn't know when it was going to be successful. So, um, and then this last thing was I thought was interesting was about how they were going to change. They weren't sure if they should keep the name of the show. Yeah. So just before it debuted at the Fringe Festival in 1999. Um, uh, they began to get cold feet and they said, the odd thing is it's really not a bad word. It's just not appealing in any way. Yeah. People were telling us, don't go with it, change it. And we were convinced we were heading for this huge embarrassment. The authors asked the festival organisers to, uh, to consider a title substitution, but they would not hear of it. The programs had already gone out and the musical was proving to be quite the draw in the iconoclastic precincts of downtown theatre. Mr. Coda says one of the producers told him, I have 150 shows in this festival and I'm getting more calls about this show than any other. Wow. Yeah. That's so the cool. name was obviously quiet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's which I buzz. Was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then this isn't a fact, but I just thought it was interesting. Like it's, it's fake? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I just thought as a talking point, it was interesting that nowadays, <laughs> even a show with the success, like the way that this developed off Broadway yes. and that, I can't see that being a road to Broadway anymore. It's so – I think about this often with like say the like the Lin-Manuel thing, right? Yeah. He's, he's writing blockbuster musicals and I still think like he was sort of the end of that like, oh, I wrote In the Heights and now I'm like sneaking yeah. in. And now he's like, well, that makes sense. It's Lin-Manuel. He writes blockbusters. But like no one else is, is able to do that. Like no. no one else can get into – you know, write small musicals and like have a workshop and then off yeah. you go. Like that is not a thing. And like I just – because the – and the economics yeah. is the biggest thing. So yeah. this had a budget of two and a half million, yeah. right? Yeah, see like – I looked that up. So in today's money that's about three and a half million, yeah. right? But musicals start easily at $10 million yeah. to produce and yeah. that's like the small ones. You would like – you would be laughed out of – out of town to yeah. say like I've got three million dollars. Yeah, we're gonna put on a show. It's, it's like, what it, are you thinking? It literally starts at ten easily, it's if like, not more. You have to be, you have to be writing the Neil Diamond musical, yeah. backed by lots of producers. Yeah, to corporations. Get on like that's it. It's yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna make a comment on it because I I don't know enough about Broadway. But it seems sad to me. Yeah, it is a shame. It like seems, I just – It seems like a shame. Even this being this hit thing at the Fringe Festival, I just can't see it. No, well, that that would mean yeah. nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like what what are we missing out? Are we missing out on title of shows? Are we missing out right. on – You know, like what are we missing yeah. because of that? Because people are still writing good well, stuff. Well, I think – I guess my hope is that they just have other lives that aren't Broadway, yeah. you know? Like well, that's, the, it. that's not the be all and end No, all, it course. shouldn't be, you know? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that is the way a lot of people say it, but it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. Um, I mean, Heather's never went to Broadway in the end yeah. and that's still doing very well. Yeah, what a All over the world. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably the right move, I yeah. think, you know? Yeah. I don't think it would have made it you know no. i don't think it would have been i don't think it would have been commercially successful no yeah um so this haze production yeah um that i saw uh 
I, 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 it wasn't I, a Hayes production. Yeah, so it's probably important to say we've talked about the Hayes a lot, obviously, on this show. But sometimes they, most of the time, they produce things. Yeah, uh, and sometimes shows kind of get brought in or whatever, like are they existing productions for other things? I believe this was a pro am production from Canberra, um, and you could tell it wasn't a Hayes production. Yeah, like I'm, I'm sorry to it, but you could tell, like. And I would say, like, the performers were all fantastic. Yeah. I wouldn't say that was the issue. It wasn't about the level of performing. Yeah. But it was things like, and I think I said this to you afterwards, there were blackouts, yeah. right? We've seen changes. Now, most shows that go into the haze are really designed for this tiny space yeah. with 100 seats. Um, and... But also, like, this isn't My Fair Lady. This no. is not the show where you need blackouts exactly. and scene changes. In fact, like, it should be Brechtian and it – Yes, so, stuff like, should that happen make in front sense. of you. Yeah, exactly. And so – and that just really, like – and that – it just breaks the momentum. Yeah. Like, you and I had the conversation that it's, like, it is the thing to me that really is the difference between professional and amateur theatre. 100%. Is, like – in almost every single amateur show you see, you really notice that. the scene changes. Yeah. And it stops the momentum of a show yeah. so much. Yeah. And, yeah, and honestly, like, that was a really big thing for me yeah. watching this production. I thought – I also just got the feeling that they didn't quite get the level of melodrama that it needed mm. to be. And not so much in terms of, like, the actors were all, like, really, like, laying it on thick. But some of the jokes, I think, felt didn't yeah. quite make it. And also – the level of parody mm. for those musical theatre styles wasn't quite there. Like yeah. you you really could have gone overboard with your musical theatre references yes. Yes. and that wasn't quite there. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I still really appreciated seeing the show and like, for example, particularly the Bobby and Hope were excellent. That's great. That's what you need. Yeah. And like, so that duet that they do yeah. was probably, yeah, was the best number in the show as far as I was concerned. Yes. Um, I think it usually is. Yeah. Um, Officer Lockstock was played by a woman mm. and it's fine, yeah. but I don't necessarily think it added anything to the show. Sure. Um, and I could, you could tell that some of the, like vocally it wasn't written for a woman. Yeah, right. Which is always an issue, like change, you know, like Definitely. Pl pl gender bending, you know, um, a role. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I was just a bit like, meh. Yeah. In a way, I'm kind of like, this, this, this didn't really add anything um, yeah. And probably it took away a little bit. Sure. Yeah. 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 They might not have had another choice. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I think it was deliberate, but yeah, right. um, okay. like she was a very experienced um, performer. Mm. But yeah, I think I think it was more about maybe getting her involved in the show yeah, than right. anything else. Yeah. Okay. Um, we actually saw an understudy Penny, but she was fantastic. Great. So um, yeah. So anyway, who knows? But. It's, yeah. Yeah. It was just a little bit like, oh, all it made me do is like, now I would love to see an amazing production of Urine Town. Yeah, right. You know? I'm really glad that it was done. Like, yeah. that's good. Okay, let's have more of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I believe it sold really well. Good. Yeah. Which yeah, is good, good to see. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And have you got any gateway songs? Yeah. Um, I went with um, Run Freedom Run, um, which is, is that like... It's not the um, Act One finale, but it's like Bobby's bigs, like when he's convincing all of yeah. the townspeople to follow him. That's right. And it's like a gospel yes. kind of number. The Act One finale is called Act One finale. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And it parodies Act One finales. It right? does. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, 
It's very catchy, Run Freedom Run. Run Freedom Run is great. And I've done Privilege to Pee, which is that one we talked about that a lot of people yeah. do, which is Penny's um, big song. Yeah. Um, and it's like a big belty yeah. kind of. Um, it's a great song. Yeah. And uh, and then the last one I've got is I See a River, which is the finale, which yeah. I also think is quite a fun. I love. Well, that's one of mine. I yeah. See a River is one of mine. And yeah. the other one is Follow Your Heart. Which the is duet. the duet. I love yeah. duet. Yeah. Oh, um, one thing before I forget, I forgot to say, is 2002 was a very successful year for the Foster family. Oh, yes. Uh, because Hunter. Uh, Hunter Foster played Bobby and Sutton Foster was in was Thoroughly Modern Women? Millie. Oh, Thoroughly Modern, yeah. of course. And that was her, like, Broadway debut. Yeah. yeah. She was so young. Yeah. So ah. I thought that was cute. Um, was Little Women – no, that was after. That was uh, 2005. 2005? Yeah. yeah God, it's so. sad that I know that. Um, <laughs> um and I, I mean, obviously, there's only the original Broadway cast yeah. to link to, but yeah, it's um, look, guys, yeah, like you know, look up a bootleg, look up, like it's a fun. I mean, the bootlegs would be pretty terrible. Quality, oh, they'd be terrible they? from two thousand one. Yeah, four. <laughs> now that I yeah, think about it, um, yeah, maybe just make it. Go make it. Yeah, go, go put it on. Go put on your. We'll town. come and see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Excellent. And don't forget, please feel free to recommend a show to yeah. us. You can find us on Instagram. Absolutely. We had an email address back in the day, but like, eh. We still do. Well, yeah, but like, yeah. <laughs> it's linked to in the notes. It is. Mm. God, you're good. Um, and we might have a new fun episode format well, yeah, coming soon. Yeah, stay tuned for like, yeah. a, we're mixing it up a bit. Follow the feed. Like, obviously there'll be a mixtape in a few weeks, but there yes. might be a different sort of episode coming after that. Yes. Mm. Very exciting. Indeed. I love that. All right.